well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking about that uh, NBC News poll that was released on Tuesday. Uh, NBC finding a record high number of households say that, uh, yes, they have a gun in the household, 52% of Americans said that either they own a gun or they live with someone who owns a firearm. Again, that's the highest number that uh, NBC News has recorded uh, in, I guess, more than two decades of uh, asking this question. Um, we're going to get to some of the details of that poll and some of the, I, I think, I think some of the underreported aspects of that poll uh, here in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about this for just a moment. Biden's America, it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. My wife is actually at the grocery store getting ready for Thanksgiving as I'm recording today's camera company. And I am uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing the grocery store total here. A digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is you need a plan. You know it. And I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855 855- 412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. Now, let's talk about this NBC News poll that came out. Uh, again, the results released on Tuesday. Uh, it took a little bit of digging to find the uh, the, 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 the full poll results, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see NBC News leading uh, with the questions on gun ownership and gun control. Um, because they asked a lot of other questions within this poll. Uh, but again, the top takeaway for NBC, more than half of American voters, 52%, say they or someone in their household owns a gun per the latest NBC News national poll. Highest share of voters who say that they or someone in their household owns a gun in the history of the NBC News poll on a question dating back to 1999. In 2019, 46% of Americans said that they or someone in their household owned a gun. Again, according to that NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. In February of 2013, this year was 42%. Uh, Michael Roberts of Public Opinion Strategies, a Republican polling firm that uh, conducted the poll with members of the uh, Democratic polling firm Heart Research, says in the last 10 years, we've grown 10 points in gun ownership. That is a very stunning number. It is. And it, you know what's fascinating about this is it suggests that the rise in gun ownership predates what uh, I call the great gun run of 2020, right? When the first round of uh, COVID closures hit, and you got to stay at home two weeks to, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, bend the curve, right? Um, we saw that massive increase in firearms that were purchased. And the National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that about 40% of customers at the time were first-time gun owners. So we would expect that the number of households that say they've got a gun inside would have increased, uh, you know, compared to 2019. But what this NBC News poll shows is that the increase was actually starting long before that. Now, it might have accelerated during the great gun run of 2020, but it began before then. NBC News uh, did note that uh, gun ownership uh, does fall along partisan lines, as it has for years, the uh, poll finds. And that's true. 
Republicans are more likely to say that they live in a house where there is a firearm compared to Democrats. And the numbers have been growing for both Republicans and Democrats over the years. They've been fairly stable, actually, among independent voters. Um, Growing, to be sure, but uh, not as much as the growth that we've seen uh, among Republicans and Democrats. You know, again, asking this question a decade ago, about 34% of Democrats said that they lived in a home in which there was a firearm. Now that number is 41%. Again, not quite half of all Democratic households, but a a good portion. And again, almost a a 10-point increase uh, in the number of Democrats saying that they live in a house in which there is a gun. Um, we're also seeing, again, the broadening of the demographics. This is something that we've known, I think, both anecdotally uh, and with other data, showing that who uh, is becoming a gun owner uh, is becoming much more diverse, not just people who look like me, middle-aged white guys, right? Uh, the NBC News poll found in August of 2019, 53% of white voters say that they or someone in their household own a gun. 24% of black voters said the same. This month, 56% of white voters report that they or someone in their household owns a gun. And 41% of black voters say the same. A 17-point increase among that group in just four years. Again, a 3% increase among white uh, voters. Nah, that's within the poll's margin of error, to be honest. But that 17-point swing. Among black voters who say, yeah, I own a gun or somebody in my house owns a gun. That is staggering and really good news. I, not, not for the gun control groups, right? And in fact, of course, according to the gun control groups, this should be horrifying to gun owners because we're all supposed to be, you know, racist and closed-minded bigots, right? Uh, as opposed to believing that the right of the people to keep and bear arms means the people have a right to keep and bear arms. That self-defense is a human right. It is not based on how you vote or the way you look or your religious beliefs. Yeah, again, I, I find this to be unqualified good news. Uh, the gun control advocates uh, obviously kind of see things a little bit differently. Now, where the poll does, I think, raise some issues for gun owners is when they asked about gun rights. Almost half, 48%, say that they are more concerned that the government will not do enough to regulate access to firearms. 47% who believe that the government will go too far in restricting gun rights. They say that one-point difference is consistent with past results on this question over the past decade. If you go back even further, I think there was one poll that found uh, a high of 50% uh, of Americans, and this was, I think, a little bit more than a decade ago. Uh, said that uh, they were more concerned about the government going too far in restricting gun rights. And then the high for the gun control groups, I think 52 or 53%, saying that, uh, oh, no, we're really concerned that the government's, you know, making it too easy to get a gun. But generally speaking, uh, since this question has been asked, we have seen a roughly 50-50 split. Now, what's concerning here is that, again, you've seen this increase in gun ownership, right? A 10-point swing in terms of the number of households that report having a, a firearm, but that hasn't translated to a 10-point swing uh, in terms of support for the Second Amendment. Um, there was a, a couple of comments on social media that I wanted to, uh, uh, to get to in relation to this poll as well. A guy named Gregory Chu said, the biggest white pill from this poll was seeing gun ownership rates increase for both political parties. The only way to protect the Second Amendment long term is to build a bipartisan consensus supporting the Second Amendment. This goal suggests 
or this poll rather suggests this goal is achievable. Becoming a gun owner doesn't automatically make one a Second Amendment advocate, but it aligns your personal interests with defending the Second Amendment. It's much easier to persuade gun owners over others because the former will be personally impacted by any laws and restrictions, and the latter readily support restrictive gun laws since those laws wouldn't hurt them. I think that there is something to that. I, I do. And again, you know, going after these new gun owners and encouraging them to become Second Amendment activists, I think, can bear some fruit. Um, Gregory, too, is right that it is, theoretically anyway, should be easier to persuade a gun owner to oppose things that would impact their right to keep and bear arms than it would be to ask a non-gun owner who won't be impacted by any particular gun law uh, to do the same. But again, we haven't seen that translate into increased support for the Second Amendment or increased concern about uh, gun control overreach, at least in the NBC uh, News poll. Uh, another uh, individual on X, uh, Dan Giles, said, too bad 52% of households don't vote like gun owners. And that's clearly the case, right? Now, I, I will say that uh, this NBC News poll, when asking uh, you know, who your choice is for president right now, uh, showed, again, a very close divide. Uh, showed that Donald Trump and Joe Biden both pretty unpopular <laughs> with the American electorate, quite frankly. Um, but Republicans did have a slight edge in terms of the generic congressional ballot, right? Who would you rather see in control of Congress? Republicans did have an edge there. But it is true that not every gun owner votes for their Second Amendment rights. And certainly, um, not every gun owner is a single-issue voter. And this is, I think, one of the areas where we need to do some work. One of the questions that NBC News asked was, uh, basically, are there single issues that would cause you to vote for or against a particular candidate? Now, we don't get the breakdown as to, you know, uh, I'm pro or con on these issues. But we can get a sense of what are the single issues that are most important to voters right now. Um, according to NBC News, the top reply was protecting democracy or constitutional rights, which theoretically could include Second Amendment issues, right? But they do ask specifically about guns as well. 19% of poll respondents said, yeah, yeah, um, I will vote for or against a candidate based solely on their views about protecting democracy or constitutional rights. Right behind that 19%, 18% said abortion was their single issue. 14% said immigration or border security was their single issue that could influence them to vote one way or the other. Of guns, again, both pro-gun control, pro-Second Amendment, 9%. Um, 5% said the war between Israel and Hamas and Gaza. 4% uh, LGBTQ issues. 21% said none of them. Right? I'm not a single issue voter. And this, again, is sort of asked in theory. So even the 19% who say, you know, protecting democracy and constitutional rights or the 18% who say, well, abortion is the, the single issue, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be single issue voters when they actually head into the ballot, into the voting booth, right? And they cast their ballot. But that is their big issue at the moment. And abortion, again, is a bigger issue for about twice as many voters as guns. And we saw this dynamic play out, I think, in Virginia during the midterm elections, where, again, uh, gun control groups like Everytown were running campaign ads in support of candidates, and they talked 
as much or more about abortion as they did gun control. Uh, in Ohio, a very red state, right? Passed constitutional carry just a couple of years ago. Mike DeWine won re-election after constitutional carry was signed into law with more than 60% of the vote. So it's not like Ohio is really a purple state. It's certainly not blue. Uh, and yet issue one, uh, which establishes a constitutional right to an abortion under Ohio state constitution, again, passed with more than 60% of the vote. Um, this is, I think, a conundrum to some degree uh, for Second Amendment activists because it suggests that there are at least soft supporters of the Second Amendment, maybe not even soft supporters, maybe just genuine supporters of the Second Amendment who are being persuaded to vote for Democrats because of issues like abortion and protecting access to an abortion. Uh, I, again, I don't know how Republicans square that circle. Um, I don't know how Democrats square that circle either, quite frankly. But in terms of gun owners, I, I go back to that um, comment by uh, Gregory Chu, who talked about the only way to protect the Second Amendment long term is to build that bipartisan consensus. And the goal, uh, the, the goal is achievable. At least this poll suggests that that is the case. I, I I do believe that it is possible. It's difficult. It really is. Um, at the moment, you know, while the NBC News poll found 41% of Democrats live in a home in which there are uh, guns, we also saw that Marquette Law School poll last week showing that about half of Democrats actually agreed with the Bruin decision, right, respecting the right to carry. I think it was 48-52 uh, support oppose. Um, the majority of the voting Democrats are still in favor of gun control. And so for the majority of elected Democrats and Democratic candidates, support for gun control is still going to be more important than protecting the right to keep and bear arms. Not for everybody. You know, again, what we've seen, I think, at the sort of grassroots level is that there is very much a progressive case for the Second Amendment. Um, it starts by recognizing that the Second Amendment exists, right? And that we, the people, do have a right to keep and bear arms. Now, that's a bridge too far already for a lot of Democrats. But if you acknowledge that, yes, that is the case, uh, we have hundreds of uh, millions of Americans, well over 100 million anyway, who are exercising those Second Amendment rights, then, again, the progressive case becomes, okay, well, what gun laws are helping, what gun laws are hurting. And you can look at the public defender's brief in Bruin, uh, filed by uh, public defenders and legal aid uh, attorneys in, in New York, showing the harm that is done by these nonviolent possessory felony offenses, right? You get caught carrying a gun. It's not registered to you. You don't have a license for it. All of a sudden, you're looking at years in prison. I said this case out of New York a couple of days ago where a landlord, uh, army veteran, had to uh, shoot a tenant apparently in self-defense. He's not being charged with a shooting, but he is being charged with possessing a pistol without a license. And that could result in years behind bars for something that is not a crime in most of the country. Um, that, I think, is the starting point to making that progressive case for protecting the right to keep and bear arms, that these gun control laws, 
again, aimed at reducing legal lawful gun ownership. Uh, the laws that erect barriers to entry to exercise a constitutional right. That these things harm all Americans, but that the burden falls disproportionately on those on the lowest rungs of the economic ladder, um, may fall hardest on racial minorities, uh, particularly if you believe that, again, there is systemic racism involved in law enforcement, then giving law enforcement the power to determine who gets to exercise their fundamental right to keep and bear arms, you're going to have some problems there, right? Now, the issue is that we haven't done a lot of outreach to the left when it comes to the Second Amendment. And maybe that needs to change. Maybe, we, again, we could try to start with those 41% of Democrats. Or, or you're gonna, you know, you'd go in either direction. Let's say somewhere between a third and, uh, you know, almost half of Democrats who live in a home in which there's a firearm. Maybe that's where we should start, right? I don't think you're going to persuade David Hogg or Shannon Watts that they're wrong. But you can persuade a new gun owner who tends to vote Democrat that David Hogg and Shannon Watts are wrong. I think that's doable. The next thing would be to have candidates running in Democratic primaries that offer a legitimate choice for Democrats who care about the Second Amendment. That's tough right now. Right. I mean, in most Democratic primaries, you've got candidates who are fighting to out anti-gun one another. Just like in most Republican primaries, the issue is who's going to be more supportive of the Second Amendment. Um, and it may very well be, you know, groups like Everytown, they're engaged in candidate recruitment and, 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 and trying to, uh, you know, pick out people that they would be good for running for office. And they're encouraging them to run for school board, state representative. Again, almost all of them are Democrats. We don't have the deep pockets of a billionaire to engage in that same type of outreach, but running a slate of pro-gun Democrats to go along with pro-gun Republicans in as many races as we possibly can, I, I think that is something that we do need to invest more time and energy in. It's not going to be a quick turnaround. I don't think it's going to make a, you know, a, uh, a, a fundamental difference. Uh, in the very next election cycle, this is something that might take, you know, two or three multiple election cycles before we start to gain traction. I mean, 2024 is coming up right now. We've got primaries that are just months away. So even identifying uh, potential pro-gun Democratic candidates would be a real reach for 2024. But going forward, I, I, I think it not only can pay dividends for all of us in terms of protecting our rights, but it really could, I think, expose the divide in the Democratic Party when it comes to these issues. Highlight the fact that not all Democrats are marching in lockstep on uh, gun control, on gun bans, on magazine bans, on uh, restrictive licensing laws and things of that nature. By giving them a choice in the primary between a candidate who says, oh, yeah, no, you don't really have a right to keep your arms. We are going to ban our way to safety. Mr. and Mrs. America turn them all in, and somebody who says, hey, you know what, I'm concerned about violent crime, I'm concerned about public safety, but I don't believe that making it more difficult or impossible for you to exercise a fundamental right is the way to go about making our society a safer place. Something to think about. And uh, again, I think the NBC News poll does raise some 
interesting possibilities for uh, Second Amendment advocates going forward. All right, now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, uh, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Actually, before we do, let's uh, just do this one more time here. Biden's America is crushing us. Companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. And again, that digital dollar that could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. You do need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. to diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5,000 winner, 2022 company of the year, thousands of five-star reviews. And again, they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. Right now, offering up to $10,000 in free silver for qualified callers while supplies last. If you call them today, those qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. Again, that's Gold Co. at 855-412-3806. And now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We're going to start there. Minneapolis. Again, a, a, a very blue bastion uh, in a fairly purple state. Uh, after George Floyd's death, of course, the uh, cries to defund the police, to reimagine police. And remember, there was that push in Minneapolis to actually get rid of the police department and come up with uh, something new, right? A, it was going to be a public, uh, public health department, public safety department, I think it was, right? Don't call it policing. Now, we've seen some council members kind of back off of that as crime has just gotten out of control in Minneapolis. But things are still not great, in part because we're still seeing headlines like this. 21-year-old to serve probation for shooting sister's boyfriend in the face in northeast Minneapolis. Now, I, I looked at the headline and I thought to myself, okay, so what could justify this? Maybe this was an accident. Um, maybe this was, you know, a minor injury. Maybe, you know, he was standing somewhere where he shouldn't have been and there was an armed intruder coming in. Nope. Nothing like that. 21-year-old Michael Eugene Detroit Alexander received a SAID sentence of over eight years in prison, which, according to a judge, he will serve if he violates the terms of his five-year probation. There's no guarantee that that's actually the case. He has credit for 491 days already served while he was awaiting trial. He was initially charged with one count of attempted second-degree murder and one count of first-degree assault in March of last year. He ended up pleading guilty to the first-degree assault charge in May, and the attempted murder charge was dismissed. The original criminal complaint states that officers from the Minneapolis Police Department were called out on a report of a shooting, again in March of last year. At the scene, they found Alexander carrying a box containing a shotgun, as well as two used and unused shotgun shells. Inside the building, officers found a victim who had been shot in the face with a shotgun. Alexander's sister told police that she and the victim were sleeping when she heard two shots. The victim screamed after the second shot. The couple's one-year-old child was sleeping only feet away from them at the time of the shooting. In an interview with police, Alexander told officers that he had, quote, a feeling that his family and the victim were out to get him and admitted to shooting at the victim twice while he was sleeping in bed. So, this raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Now, Alexander was uh, apparently declared competent to stand trial. So, whatever mental issues might have led him to believe that uh, his family was targeting him wasn't enough to uh, 
uh, confine him to a institution until he regained competency. Um, apparently, he understood the charges against him, was able to assist in his defense, understood the terms of the plea bargain. But why on earth, why on earth would you offer a deal that's going to result in probation to somebody who, again, just last year had these, I would say, somewhat paranoid thoughts, right? And acted on those paranoid thoughts to shoot somebody with a shotgun as they were lying in bed. With their baby, by the way, right beside them. I, I mean, this easily could have been a murder charge for Alexander, as opposed to attempted murder and first-degree assault. But again, the attempted murder charge dropped. But he's guilty to first-degree assault. All right, you spend a little bit more uh, than a year in jail awaiting trial. That's all the time you need. You're good to go. Just stay out of trouble and, uh, and you won't have to go to prison. If you don't stay out of trouble, then you will go to prison. So they say. Rarely does it work out that way. Uh, the most likely outcome if Alexander were to violate the terms of probation is his probation would be extended. Maybe he would go back to jail for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But unless there is some egregious violation, again, somebody else gets shot, for instance. That eight-year sentence is not going to be imposed just because he fails a drug test or doesn't show up at a, at a meeting with his probation officer. And it's this type of uh, soft-on-crime attitude that I, I think is making things worse uh, in many, well, not in many, in some U.S. cities. Around the country, we're actually seeing homicides decline fairly dramatically. But uh, Minneapolis... Crime appears to be stubbornly high going back over the uh, past few years, and I suspect that this is one of the reasons why you're just seeing individuals commit incredibly violent acts, no excuses, no justification, <laughs> and again, a little punishment as well. Today's Armed Citizen story from Florida, where a uh, resident of Pasco County fatally shot an intruder who was armed with a hatchet, according to deputies. Happened at an apartment complex on a Tuesday, Newport Ritchie, about 10.15 at the Trinity Palms at Seven Springs apartment. person inside the apartment shot an intruder who was armed with a hatchet while trying to break into the unit. Uh, an investigation uh, was underway as of a Tuesday. No other details released. The sheriff's office did say that all parties in the shooting are accounted for. There is no threat to the public. And again, this would appear to be a, a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. You're in your home where you have a right to be, somebody breaks in with a uh, hatchet that they could use to harm you, and yeah, you've got the right to defend yourself, but we'll keep our eyes out for any more information, and if there are more details released, we'll uh, update them for you at barryandarms.com. Finally today, in the right place, at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing, a pair of middle school brothers in Billings, Montana, were able to save the life of their neighbor not long ago. Here are the... Uh, Teens in, well, tweens, I guess, in question. 11-year-old uh, Thomas Waldo and uh, his 13-year-old brother Aaron. They were walking to school a couple of weeks ago. This is late October. And again, it's Billings, Montana, so it's already pretty cold. Um, snow on the ground, ice on the ground. And as they're walking to school, they heard somebody yell out. Uh, Aaron Waldo said, we heard somebody yelling, help. We kind of hesitate a little bit because we thought it was a trap or something, right? Stranger danger. 
But he said as we got closer, we could see him move a little bit, and it looked like he was in a lot of pain. And they realized this uh, gentleman had fallen on the ice, was unable to get up. He said he made us take care of his dog, and we put the dog inside. I grabbed his phone for him, and he called someone. According to uh, KTVQ, their elderly neighbor had slipped on the ice while he was walking his dog, had been out there for about an hour on the ground, had broken his femur in two places, was unable to move. Uh, Aaron Waldo says, we actually weren't late to school that day. I don't know how because we you know, were on our way and we stopped and we helped. When paramedics arrived, according to the uh, local TV station, they couldn't find a vein because the man was so cold. And they say without the assistance of Aaron and his younger brother, the man might not have survived. Uh, the pair recognized at a school assembly for their uh, good deed, but also, again, getting some recognition from the uh, local police and the uh, media there in Billings, Montana as well. Aaron and Thomas Waldo, again, in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing for a neighbor in need. And I know that neighbor has a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving season. That is going to do it for this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. Now, we will have a new show for you on Monday of next week, but we will be updating BarryandArms.com over the course of the holiday weekend. I will tell you, posting will probably be fairly light on Thursday, uh, but over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, yes, we'll be keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. So I would encourage you to uh, check out BarryandArms.com on a regular basis to make sure that you are up to date on everything you need to know about your right to keep and bear arms, the threats to those rights, and the success stories. Had a, quite a few of those lately. So we're uh, we're not afraid to report the good news. It's not all about, uh, you know, telling you about the awful things that are going on. We've got some things to celebrate as well. Until we talk again, hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Be well. Be safe and be free.